ready. And Andrew, I know you were born ready. I was born ready. I'm Ron fucking Swanson. That's right. I know you are. Whereas Wayne is Helen ready. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Paul, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. So you heard it here for, first, folks. Um, there was uh, some some issue it, in Congress this week. Um, I just want to clarify, it was not an act of insurrection. Apparently, there was some misinformation out there that they were selling PS5s at Congress. <laughs> and uh, it was a door, that people thought it was a doorbuster deal. And uh, that's where we are. Uh, I'm, uh, I just wanted to clarify that. You know, it's a big misunderstanding. I don't know that Aaron, that's true, Aaron. I think that's Aaron, fake news. Aaron, <laughs> Sorry. Aaron that's, it's too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Yeah. You know, my first thought when I heard all of it is, I wonder how far Paul is from D.C. Because he's in that part of the country. That's yeah. right. Three hours. Three hours. Uh, now, if it was D.C. headquarters, um, th- then it might have been me. Not, not, not <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not Washington, D.C. headquarters. Yeah, D.C. DC Comics <laughs> headquarters. It might have been me this week. Because you wanted to talk to him about death metal? I wanted Is to that... talk to them about... Okay. So, first of all, let's start by saying, uh, for those tuning in thinking that they were getting the funnies this week, uh, nope. the funnies have been pushed off in uh, one week, possibly. Um, <laughs> it depends on what comes out next week. Um, because so much came out in comic stores this week that inspired it was a conversation, right? There's a ton of stuff. It was, but I, I will tell you that is part of uh, that. That is where my anger is coming from. Uh, um, Uh-oh. it was too fucking much, uh, yeah. this week. Uh, it, you know, and, and, and I put the, the onus squarely on DC comics, um, because I will tell you between the $10 Generations book, the $7 Death Metal book, the $6 Superman book, the $4 mm-hmm. Wonder Woman book, I was like, you know, like you guys are are making, this is a bad decision. It's exha- It was exhaustive, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, and comics should be fun, but I gotta tell you, by the time I got to the end of that $8 Batman book, I'm like, you know what? Fuck comic books. <laughs> I'm, I was like I am done with comics this week because it was just it was too much uh it was too much all at the same time uh, and you know I I wish you know as I'm reading these books with backup features like Superman and Batman um I'm like you know what I wish they just stuck with four dollar books and released some of these um, backup features as a side comic instead of charging me extra for we're gonna talk here in a minute what amounted to pretty shitty backup comics um, in everything I read this week. And so I would, I would, I will tell you um, that is probably informing some of my uh, feelings about some of the DC books we're going to discuss this week, but uh, I, I, it just felt like too much, um, it, too many events simultaneously because, uh, and I know I made the choice to buy all of them, but <laughs> in my head, they were all related uh, you know, so, if you were to track back in the history, in the long history of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, you would find that Paul continues to re- repeat this error time <laughs> time again. Lies. I mean, how many times yeah. have we said, you're going to buy every single issue of that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm going to get every single <laughs> issue. And he's never happy about it. <laughs> and we've, we've warned him about it. Uh-huh. He Remember, just doesn't listen. 
remember after the relaunch after uh, Flashpoint, and he bought every single book, every mm-hmm. fi- every new Fifty Two book, yep. all Fifty Two of the new Fifty Two <laughs> books. I didn't buy yeah. all the books this week. I only bought three of the DC, uh, the Future State books, um, uh-huh. but I did buy Death Metal Number Seven. Um, and you got uh, what Shattered Generations? Uh, Generation Shattered. Generation Shattered. I'll tell you that I one. That one we're going to talk about it here in a minute. That one was I'm okay with, <laughs> um, well, despite being uh, the most expensive. You have been our, uh, our our soldier in the field on the death metal books because you know Wayne and I hopped out a while back. Uh, so tell us, tell us, Paul, tell us, how did death metal number seven wind up? It was garbage. I mean, so you know, it, it's Wonder Woman has you know. Um, I don't know, uh, gone to a higher plane of existence. She's now a giant metal Wonder Woman fighting a giant Darkest Night, um, you know, at the end of at the end of the multiverse. And, it, you know, they, they her and the Darkest Night go back in time to the creation of the multiverse, you know, the giant hand. And how she defeats him is she smacks him with the giant hand <laughs> and goes to the end of time and... Back of the hand? <laughs> the giant hand that creates the universe? No, she... she yeah, actually, the back of the hand, looking at it. Um, <laughs> and then they go to the end of the universe, and she, you know, basically um, destroys him at the end of the universe. And because of what she's done, the the hands is what they're called. The hands are the creators of the multiverse. You can't... You can, I mean, you, you can make this shit up, but I didn't make this shit up. Um... <laughs> You know, have you know, are inspired by her, and recreate. You know, the omniverse is what it's called now. You know, a, a multiverse of multiverses. Um, yeah, I, I hear they revealed who the hand was. Like uh, the, we've seen the hand all the way back, like well before even Crisis on Infinite Earth. Right. Yeah. You know, this has been just a big thing. It's been this is the creator of the DC universe. It could be God. It could be. A, you know, a stand-in for the actual people making the comics. It could be this or that. The whole point was to never actually reveal what the hand is. But I hear they revealed what the hand is. Not really. I mean, uh, you know, it's five creatures called the hands, and they're all in shadow. So it's still rather mysterious. You know, it's not like we see Jack Kirby, you know, sitting at a desk or anything like that. It's just like five giant ominous beings in space. Um, oh, I'd read an article that said it was Pandora. That new character they made for... Oh, she's one of the hands. Flashpoint. Yeah, she is one of the hands. Sorry. So that, that's a good point. She is one of the hands. Um, but, you know, looking at it, the... So, you know, just like the original Metal, this ends in a giant concert scene where Batman's playing guitar and Superman's on vocals and the Flash is on drums and it's just the most what? ridiculous fucking thing I've ever seen. Um, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not even. This kidding. actually hurts, Paul. <laughs> I, I'm not even just. I'm not even joking. I will post Who a picture on our I, on on our social media account. Are they um, like at a concert? Are they jamming at the Justice League? They're playing for all the the superheroes. It's um, oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. But now that being said, it's the, that ending was also in the first. Not that that justifies it. Um, but then you know, the, so the Justice League has established. Uh, kind of a, a new multiverse watchtower. Uh, it, it's called the Totality out in space. And so you've got heroes and villains. Um, Lex Luthor, Talia al Ghul, Vandal Savage, Mr. Terrific, Martian Manhunter, Wally West are, are part of these multiverse police characters. Um, and it, you know, basically it's 
it, it sets up for infinite frontier and future state, right? Infinite possibilities, not necessarily in the same continuity. Um, you know, we get a preview of some of the, the future state books. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, of course, the reestablishment of the Justice Society of America in World War II is how the book ends. No, other than a couple of preview shots, no real um, mention of future state other than the fact that it's one of the many multiverses of the infinite frontier and literally no mention of generation shattered so i think wayne had mentioned earlier this week when we were talking about generation shattered he was concerned about its connection to death metal having read both i don't really see a connection well Um, and having having read some of the future state books and the generation shattered books i don't think any of that's connected yeah, I agree. You know, um, so I think death metal is basically just here is, you know, they they've recreated the DC universe in the way it was prior to death metal. So it's not like we have this big relaunch or reboot of all the continuity, but what we do have is the establishment of multiple multiverses that you know allow for open creative storytelling without being tied to a single continuity, which I but, guess we uh, already had. But. I was going to say, because um, they used to do this through other world books, right? Yeah. Like Red Sun. I mean, th- they had a yeah. way of... Yeah, oh, sorry, thank you. Elseworlds books. I mean, they had a mechanism of doing these non-continuity books. Yeah, but DiDio got rid of Elseworlds. Yeah, but I think... He didn't like it. I think what this is doing is saying, hey, we're going to be continuity light. Don't bitch at us. If it doesn't make sense, it's in a different universe. It sets up five or ten years from now when they do the next crisis to simplify because people are confused about what universe what's happening in is yeah. true. Five years from now, you're precious. It'll be two and a half. Probably. Yeah. So you know, that... just, this was the whole reason Crisis on Infinite Earths happened. Yeah, they've recreated. Yeah, I, I think the next series is going to be called Constant Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, Death Metal. I, I don't really have anything positive to say about it. Um, if I'm being honest, which I mean, I was, I, I didn't expect to, but I just wanted to see how it's set up, Future State and Generation Shattered. And what I'd say is, it didn't. <laughs> you know, you you can enjoy gener- you can enjoy f- or not enjoy the future state books, um, regardless of having read any of the death metal comics. So you know, just, they they could ahead, be Mike. honest and just call the next crisis midlife crisis. Right. <laughs> what I just heard Paul say, I heard Paul say that Aaron was right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I went in knowing I was going to dislike, which is probably not the right mindset. I just wanted to see what they did. <laughs> you know, I, I was uh, more interested in the epilogue of the book than I was in the content of the book. Uh, you know, I'm wondering how the epilogue would set up generations and future state, and you know, and 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 the DC universe to come and the infinite frontier and what it really, the establishment of the infinite frontier is that now we have an omniverse where there is a you know a policing group named the totality. Um, to kind of monitor for these omniversal threats. And that's basically all, you know, that, that's that's how uh, Death Metal ended and how it sets up for Infinite Frontier. And, um, and, and Future State, right? Future State has been established as possible futures of the DC Universe based on these infinite possibilities. Um, and so there were... Five books, I think they came out. The six books that came out this week. You know, we didn't mention. Did you guys? Did anyone actually pick up Harley Quinn? I did. Oh, did you read it? I did. Did you like it? Oh yeah, I can, we can talk about it real quick. Uh, so Harley Quinn, um, 
the art, I, I, I had some issues with the art. It, it was very hard to follow in parts, especially in the fight scenes. Um, overall, it was just it was okay. Uh, there were some interesting bits. Harley has essentially uh, been been captured and been institutionalized, and uh, the Scarecrow has gone gone you know legit, and she's basically helping him uh, analyze different villains um, to kind of predict. She's kind of profiling them and what what what's going to expose them and allow them to capture them and bring them in essentially. So she's essentially become a, a, a you know, a friendly informant for the uh, law enforcement agency on how to deal with supervillains. So that's kind of interesting seeing her as more, say, you, know, you know, actually from a concept stand standpoint, you know, the two psychiatrists teaming up to take on supervillains kind of sounds interesting, except for the fact that it's Harley Quinn. So uh, um, this is much more of the Dr. Harley's Quinn, right? Uh, yeah. Not not really, much less so Harley Quinn. She spends a, a chunk of this book wearing, you know, prison orange jumpsuit. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit about showing her get captured. But for the most part, she's in this institution. And, and I cannot remember the Scarecrow's real name. but Jonathan Crane. Uh, thank you. Dr. Crane's come and talk to her like, well, we're having an issue with, uh, you know, Professor Pig. And, you know, uh, basically they're giving her, you know, better living conditions, more freedom in exchange for her help. Um, so that from, from that perspective, pretty interesting. I, the art at parts is very <laughs> pretty, but Pig. It, yeah, yeah, he's one of the people that comes up. That's Aaron's favorite villain. <laughs> I hate Professor Pig. <laughs> yeah, I was interested in Harley Quinn, but I didn't pick it up because I was picking up other other DC books. I will say out of the three future state books I read, uh, it was probably better. It was, it was probably my second favorite. There's one I liked better, one I, liked, I didn't like as much. Well, um, I guess we'll, we'll, fee, we'll see what we talk about. Um, we'll see which one you like the best and which one you like the least. But I will say, uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was you're like, eh, it was all right. And that's basically my feeling about the future state books um, in general. Uh, you know, starting with Superman of Metropolis, um, you know, which features uh, this establishment of Jonathan Kent in the future is now Superman. Um, we have three of stories Metropolis. of Metropolis. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you have three stories in this book set uh, in, in kind of, you know, one kind of establishes the bottle city of Metropolis. Not really a spoiler because it's in the description of the book. And the other two are actually set within the bottle city. Um, so... Aaron, well, yeah, why don't you start I, us off? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I rather liked this book. Um, certainly the, they're in the main story with Jonathan Kent. Uh, there are some problems for me in the story, uh, not the least of which is uh, I had some issues with Brain Cell, the, the name of the villain. Um, it just seemed silly and didn't really catch and I, I kind of bumped on it every time they referred to him as brain cell. Um, but what I did really like about the book is I loved how mature Supergirl is. Um, you know, you don't we don't frequently get to see grown up Supergirl. You know, we usually kind of have Supergirl frozen at a very young age. Um, and while I have balked at aging up Jonathan Kent in the, you know, uh, regular Superman book. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing, you know, a, a, a Supergirl at a different time in her life. Um, I enjoyed I have, that. I say I have very little positive to say about the book, but her costume is one of the few very positive things I have to say. I love their costume design for Supergirl here. 
Yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it was really strong. Um, I, I I didn't feel like the case was made strongly enough to put Metropolis in the in, in a bottle, a la Bottle City of Candor. Yes, uh, I it just it just seemed like a a really impulsive decision, and maybe that's the character, but you know it, it just didn't make the case, nor. Did they really establish that, hey, you know, uh, Metropolis is super vulnerable now that you've, you know, bottled it. Maybe you should have some some uh, tougher security around it. Um, so I had some problems with that, but I thought the art was great. Um, I thought it was a, a nice outing on this first issue, and I, and I hope that the story tightens up. I enjoyed the anthology aspect of this book. Uh, it put me in mind of the old Action Comics Weeklies. You know, where you had you know, multiple stories around uh, Metropolis in the world of Superman. We got a story uh, featuring uh, uh, Mr. Miracle, the Shiloh Norman version. Uh, and we got a story featuring uh, the new guardian of Metropolis. And, you know, these are, you know, certainly B-level characters, but they told a different aspect of, of life in Metropolis, particularly now that, you know, the city is bottled. Uh, and I dug it. I, I, I really enjoyed the different tones. I'm surprised. Uh, you know, yeah. I hear the backups a lot. Yeah, it was certainly a gear shift. You know, you go from the, the big superhero action uh, of Superman and Supergirl, right? And then you downshift into street level, but you know, it 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 also ties me back to you know pre-crisis when you would get these great uh, stories of the Kryptonian, Kandorian, Nightwing, and Flamebird adventuring around the Bottle City of Kandor, and this reminded me of that as well. So both of these backup stories really pinged my nostalgia for some of those older books. Um, but I yeah, have I have no problem with the concept of the backup stories. I just thought the two stories they told were horrible. I really hated both of them. Yeah, I didn't care for the backup stories. And I, I understand now, you know, in, in what you're referring to, Aaron, I did like stories around Metropolis or around the mm -hmm. Superman universe in prior books. And I understand what you're saying about the Action Comics Weekly format because I do, you know, I do have a soft spot in my heart for anthologies. And maybe it was just the exhaustive nature of this week that put me in a bad mindset on those backup features. Because I didn't care for either one. Um, but I will say the the first story, I actually liked the first story. Um, I had a couple of, you know, it, it, it put me in the mindset of Invincible. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me a, a lot of that of that book. Uh, you know, Robert Kirkman's Invincible because it's this young impulsive hero who makes bad decisions and realizes it after the fact because that's very much a you know something that they did in that book um you know reading it in this book more so than the other books that we're going to talk about this week um it reminded me of and i guess that's literally what it is when you you know the, these publishing initiatives where they jump forward like here's action comics 2025 and it's like, oh, this is what the future is going to look like five years from now in, in the comic books. And I wonder how they're <laughs> actually going to to lead up to that story. And then it never actually happens. Right. That's basically what this felt like to me. Like, oh, this is something that's, oh, this is this is this is the Superman book 20 years from now when Jonathan's grown up or 10 years from now when Jonathan's grown up. 
Uh, you know, I wonder how it's actually going to get there, but it's not actually ever going to get there. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I liked I, I liked the art very much um, in the book. Uh, I just you know, again for me, I, I didn't care for the backups. Yeah, I love the art. I really disliked the story. I like I did like that he realized pretty quickly that he made a really stupid mistake. <laughs> but I have a hard time actually believing the character would make that mistake. Yeah, it's that, too that was stupid. Problem. Yeah, so I, I do. Really I do have I, a theory on that. But go ahead, Wayne. Oh. Okay. I I did like like Supergirl's reaction to it is what I would expect. She's always been a little bit of a hothead, but specifically, Candor was bottled. She had more of a connection to Candor than any of the other super characters. And in the comics, Candor has been shattered and destroyed and. So the idea of Metropolis being put in a bottle would make her extra angry. And that's even before the stupid villain starts <laughs> messing with her mind. Yeah, much like what you guys said, I love the art. The story, I just could not get into it. Uh, the backup features, I, I didn't really care for the Mr. Uh, Miracle one. I didn't like the art on it. I didn't really like the story. Um, the one with the Guardian liked much better. Uh, thought the art was good. I enjoyed the uh, uh, story there. But as far as Jonathan's um, poor decision making, so there's this uh, Nerodium core in brain cells, which again, much like Aaron said, horrible name for a supervillain. Uh-huh. So dumb. But he's got this Nerodium core, which is deadly to Kryptonians, as he explains. Um, so Supergirl reacts by becoming aggressive. Uh, to this, you know, this she can't really detect it, but she knows there's some sort of deadly threat and becomes more violent as a result of it. So, you know, when when someone when a you know person is faced with a threat, they have two reactions. They have fight or flight. So Supergirl Kara reacts by fighting. The other reaction is flight. It, you know, Jonathan's not a pure Kryptonian. He's part Kryptonian. He's probably gonna have less of a reaction to the Nerodium, but that doesn't mean he's not gonna have any reaction to it. So that's really the only thing I can come up with for why he'd make such a uh, uh, uncharacteristic mistake is that he was being affected by that core as well. But instead of becoming aggressive, he became he went the flight route and chose to run and hide in himself and along with himself, the entire city of uh, Metropolis. I feel like you've thought about this a lot more than perhaps the storyteller did. <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking, too. I mean, that's that's the, how they justified Kara being so violent and angry, which, you know, right. absolutely she should be angry with Jonathan, but uh, for doing it. But as far as, you know, forcing the violence that occurred between them, obviously something they had to explain something else for why she would become that violent. But that's that's the only thing. So this was the the future state book. I like the least out of the three I read this week. I, I got to say, you know, I, I understand why they why they decided to do Superman of Metropolis and feature Jonathan Kent would have preferred supergirl of metropolis yeah you know because what the the character that they have created here with with kara is much more interesting than jonathan yeah and Absolutely. I, I love that costume yeah. i want to figure out good... in that costume yeah she is visually striking and I'm, I, I don't say that that you know because she's sexy she just seems so grown up yeah and you know she is imposing and iconic like Superman is, you know, like Clark is. And I, 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 I really, I think that is why I enjoyed the, the Superman story so much in this book. Uh, 
But hey, we 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 picked this one apart, and we got lots more future state to talk about. <laughs> True, but I you know I agree with Andrew that my uh, my least favorite of the future state books was this one, um, because my favorite was Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. I thought same, Wonder Woman was fantastic. Yeah, so I agreed. was a little nervous about Wonder Woman because when I looked at the previews, I hated the art on the first few pages. Once I started reading the book, though, I have no problem with the art throughout this. And looking through, it's like they p- had the worst of it on the first preview pages. <laughs> and then after that, it gets much better. I do wonder uh, how they select the preview pages. Are they just pulling, you know, the first three pages of the book? Or d- does somebody with the publisher say, hey, th- these are our preview pages? Because I've seen some books where I'm like, there is no way I'd ever pick this book up based on these pages. I think it's uh, the latter. I think it's generally the first three pages unless there's some yeah. type of spoiler or sex they don't want to reveal. Right. Um, but yeah, I and think it's, it's chosen by the publisher. That's why I held off buying crossover number one because I looked at those first three preview pages and I just was not not at all interested in them. Yeah, but this book was gorgeous. Um, Joelle yeah, Jones on writing, Jordi Belair on art. Uh, I thought this book was beautiful. I loved, you know, it, I, I need to get out of the continuity mindset because I'm like I don't understand how it plays into what's going on because I guess right. it doesn't. Um, but I I enjoyed the character um that you know this new wonder woman um i enjoyed the take on purgatory and the underworld it was very very imaginative with fun character designs uh, i just thought it was a great book super imaginative yeah and i thought about it like one of the things i wasn't sure about going into this book i'm not a huge wonder woman fan like i like greek myths but for some reason when it comes to wonder woman in the books a lot of times she's not very approachable. So like, I love Straczynski's run because it was Wonder Woman more in a modern day setting. And that's one of the things I liked about this character. She kind of, it's not that she reminds me of Cassie, because I do like Wonder Girl. But what I like about Wonder Girl is that she's more set in our world and experiencing the rest of it. This is a character that definitely is set in both worlds. Yeah, You can tell by her comments that she's connected to the modern world a lot more than a lot of Wonder Woman writers write Wonder Woman as. But she's also very much set in this, you know, mythological world as well. I have to tell you the thing that won me over on this book is Jerry! Jerry! (laughs) Yes, that her Pegasus is named Jerry. Well, I tell you what, Jolie Jones can draw the hell out of a Pegasus. Like, that is some of the... That is a gorgeous every picture every every uh, panel with that Pegasus is just gorgeous. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Joel Jones is the uh, art. Jordy Belair just did the colors. Yeah. Right, same writer and artist. I mean, just just a fun book. And you know, my favorite character design was actually the little like um, little pixie. No, the little like little black creature who guards the entrance. Oh, to yeah, the for underworld. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the guy who's working yeah. at the counter. Yeah, the little yeah. guy working at the counter. Yeah. I just thought well, that was really I funny. Love- I love the juxtaposition, you know, when, when she first wanders into the underworld, you see uh, Cerberus sleeping, you know, he looks so cute, little puppy dog, and then at the very end where they've woken Cerberus, uh-huh. oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> that is not a cute, nice puppy dog. Well, and I got a kick out of, uh, I don't know the character's name, but the the little girl character that takes her down to the underworld. Kipora. Yeah, the fact that she's... They never explain it. She's just riding a wild boar. 
Yeah. They're off the book. <laughs> yeah. It's just an it's enjoyable, fun book. It really yeah. is. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board for, for the, the Wonder Woman book. Me, I am too. And I said, I waited to buy this one until you guys read it and said it was good, but I loved it. I mean, by far the best, the best of the, uh, future state stuff that I've seen. And, and I have a question for, uh, the people who've been reading DC, um, because this is this is my first DC books in forever. Uh, we've never seen this Wonder Woman, right? We've never seen Yara Floor before, no, right? Yeah, this is her first appearance, and we have no idea who she's look, trying to get out of the underworld. No, correct. No. All right, all right. That's it. That was just my clarifying question. Thank you. Well, and I'm the so, only one who read the next Batman. I'm sorry, Aaron. Were you going to say something about? I was Wonder just going to say, you know, you you were you were the poor bastard that we had to send into the Batcave this week. The canary in the coal yeah. mine. And here's uh-huh. the thing: this book. Going back to my earlier statement, even though I was like, even though this is the book that made me say fuck comics, um, it's not because it was a bad book. It's because I was exhausted after reading as, as you know all these these large hefty books this week. Because um, the next Batman is uh, you know the establishment of this new character. They they've not revealed his identity, even though we all know who it is, um, Tim Fox. But this is a, a you know a, a little bit in the future of Gotham. Um, you know, Bruce Wayne is missing or dead. Uh, we know he's not dead because there's another book starring him set in the same timeline. Uh, but this is written by John Ridley, who also wrote the other history of the DC universe. Uh, first issue art is by Nick Darrington, who we are a huge fans of. Um, so, you know, it's a recipe for great stuff, but it's rather okay. Um, you know, the, the Gotham City of the future, and I think, you know, uh, Andrew, you probably got some of this in your book, is, you know, the magistrate has taken over. Um, the magistrate is kind of this all-powerful police force with drones, and they've outlawed masks. And, you know, yes. vigil- any vigilant, any masks in general. It's like uh, Footloose yes. and Dancing. Um, the magistrate, the magistrate, or the people who had captured Harley Quinn in the uh, Harley Quinn book—they were the ones that uh, the Doctor Crane was working with to capture other uh, masked villains. Yeah, so it's you know, and, but it's it's weird because it doesn't feel like it's that far in the future, but it almost has a Batman Beyondish vibe um, in that it feels a little bit more in the future, um, you know, a little bit more futuristic um, than your standard book. It has a good uh, vibe to it, and the Nick Darrington art is beautiful, even though I think he's just on the first issue. Um, But unlike the Superman book, I actually really enjoyed the backups in this book. Um, You had two backups, one featuring the Outsiders, uh, Katana and Black Lightning specifically, that has beautiful, beautiful art um, by Sumit Kumar. Uh, I'm not familiar uh you know with the artist but just gorgeous art you know very much focused on katana who's a character i i like quite a bit and then the third backup features the arkham knights and so because the magistrate has taken over gotham um the residents of arkham excuse me have taken over gotham yeah nice at gotham um, the residents of arkham asylum have um the grand daughter i think of of arkham or maybe Grant, a granddaughter, um, has taken some of the inmates and reformed them into this anti-magistrate team. Um, now, the, the daughter of Arkham is the Arkham Knight. She appeared in a recent run of Detective Comics. So you have this team that's led by her, but features Clayface and Two-Face and um, Killer Croc and, 
and Mr. Zaz and Anarchy um, kind of taking on the magistrate. And so I actually kind of liked it. Um, you know, so overall, the book was, I would say, a plus. Out of the three, I'd probably put it in the middle. Um, you know, Wonder Woman, then Batman, then Superman. But I will tell you, regardless of the fact that I thought it was pretty decent, pretty decent doesn't afford me an $8 book. Um, <laughs> and each one of these issues is going to be $8. So I will probably hold off on the next Batman until it's on sale. Um, because it, there, I think this is a bi-weekly book because Future State is only a two-month event. Um, and I just, I don't want to spend $8 every two weeks. It's, you know, it just feels like, you know, given everything else that's coming out, $8 seems a bit excessive. Which, you know, leads me to the non-Future State book, Generation Shattered, which was a $10 book? Yep. $10. Um, but 80 pages. Generation Shattered, written by Dan Jurgens, Robert Venditti, Andy Schmidt, and a you know a killer's row of artists like Ivan Rice, John Romita Jr., Kevin Nolan, Rags Morales, and more. Um, I think... No, Andrew didn't read this, but the rest of us read Generation Shattered. What'd you guys think? I loved this book. I did too. I did too. It hit me right, right between the eyes in terms of looking for one of those big ridiculous 90s event books which is exactly what this book is um i the artwork is beautiful you know uh the story is as ridiculous as you would expect it to be yeah. and, and I, ridiculous in a good way this was a fun book to read and let me tell you this week i needed a fun book yeah. um this was a book you know we, we are putting the gang together to go figure out what the big you know cosmic temporal crisis is and we're we're pulling together characters from from not just across the DC universe, but across all timelines of the DC universe. Uh, so the Batman that gets pulled into the group is the original Batman from like you know uh, from you know 30s, Bob Finger yeah. and yeah. Well, I mean, it's, and that's one of the things I loved about this book is that they've got Commandy, who I'm a huge Commandy fan. Right. He's the one that they've sent out to pick people up. And he yeah. doesn't know any of these people, so he's making the wrong choice and grabbing the wrong characters from a bunch of the different time periods. Yeah, and so the I mean, team you're getting is the worst possible team to deal with what they're dealing with. And it is fantastic. It I is. mean, I just can't get over how entertaining this book is. And it's, you know, it's so weird. You know, we read comics every week, and for so few of them to just be genuinely fun, right? You know, uh, the consequences aren't going to be huge. It's just this is just a, a a side story in the DC universe, and it's just a world of fun. And yeah, there's a there's a ton of nostalgia here because it 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 links so hard into the rich tapestry of, of DC timelines. Yeah, uh, I don't know about you, Aaron. I was cheering at certain points in the book. Like oh, you yeah. flip the page because again we use guided view, right. so you go to the next page and you don't have it spoiled there's old booster gold uh-huh mm -hmm. and, and so i was cheering to see him but you get to see not just old booster gold you get to see the old booster gold that's competent and knows what he's doing and then you get booster gold when he's just went back to back to the past where he doesn't know what he's doing yet doesn't have any idea you get to see both endpoints both bookends of booster gold in the same book I loved that. 
Well, and then, you know, you turn the page and there is Steel and Cyborg Superman, you know, fighting in the middle of the reign of the Superman. And, I mean, these are characters at their best, right? Yeah, Um, the Teen Titans facing off against uh Deathstroke. Like, that was the Titans book, the nostalgia of seeing them in those costumes and that team. Yeah. And, you know, the appearance of Hector Hammond in this book did not (laughs) diminish my enjoyment of this book. I don't know. Just a little bit. Um, Uh, I mean, I turned the page and I'm like, fucking Hector Hammond. (laughs) I I, I was worried he was going to be on the team. I'm glad he wasn't. Yeah, same. Same. (laughs) But, you know, there were some real stakes in the book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you said this at the beginning, you know, that it reminded you of the big uh, 90s events. And, you know, I think about the last couple of events um, universe altering events in DC, right? So we're talking Final Crisis, Metal, and now Death Metal. Um, this is better than all of them. And, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, especially having read both in one week, and given the fact that both are about, you know, reality changing or being wiped, I'm like, why is it, why don't they just realize, like, hey, we just need to bring Dan Jurgens in back in to, yeah. uh, to, to do our crossovers. You know what this felt like? This felt like a more organized, more, I guess, more simplified version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Or Zero Hour, honestly. This put me in a lot of London Zero Zero Hour. hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it had that feel. Well, you know, Zero Hour certainly had its impact in, because they did all the Zero issues of of their titles, right? But the, what was it, four issues for Zero Hour? And it was so tight you know that story and that's you're exactly right that's what it felt like and it was just very much a 90s era comic book story that i mean i deeply enjoyed this week yeah so if you're in our age group you're probably gonna love this much enjoyed it so much that i that i won't complain too loudly about the ten dollar cover price no I, I, you know, again, you know, it's kind of funny because this one I will pick up the second issue for because this feels like a $10 book, right? It doesn't feel like I'm getting, you know, a main comic and two backups. Um, Well, and Aaron and I, because we have Comicology Unlimited, it wasn't $10 for us. Well, fair. That's right. We got it. Yeah. The discount is normally just a little bit, you know, barely noticeable. But when you're talking a $10 book, it was over a dollar off. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well... You, and, and then you spent that dollar on the final issue of Injustice Year Zero, issue 14. 84 cents is what I spent. <laughs> 84 cents, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, you know, because this series started off very strong and had some strong moments. In the end, though, I feel like it was a big nothing burger, despite being good. I, I, I don't know that I would <laughs> say that. Uh, what it was I... a delicious burger that led... You know, I liked how it ended. I was happy with this wrap up. I don't know. Well, like you know, in the it's end, a I'm prequel. Like, eh, it didn't really it's add a much to the injustice yeah. story. Well, line. it's a prequel, so it's gonna it's gonna end where things start, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's you know how this book is gonna wrap up. What I did find interesting though was that you know the surviving members of the JSA wander off into the multiverse to find where uh, uh, the Joker sent some of their team members. Uh, and I'm like, well, there's going to be a story. I'm looking forward to that. So it sets that yeah. up. Did but that ever I... happen in any of the Injustice books? Was that ever referenced in any of the Injustice books or now? I, I am behind so. a season or two. But, you know, the the here's my question. The book ends, you know, and kind of sets up what the Injustice story is. And it says, next, Injustice Year One. 
are they relaunching Injustice, or are they just saying, okay, now now you sh- this was essentially a zero issue. Now you can go read year one. I was thinking I the wondered latter. the same thing. I was thinking I was like, like, now I, go read it. I, I really don't want them to relaunch the series, <laughs> you yeah. know, with new issues. No, see, I disagree with what you said, Paul. Of it didn't provide anything. I always wondered why Joker chose to go after Superman, and I think this gives the motivation. This is it does. Yeah, I, I mean, think that again, motivation for know. him is strong. But I don't know. Like I guess for... I just never wondered that, right? Like I, Joker's he wants an evil to guy. prove Batman wrong. That's more motivation than just I want to go after Superman. I guess or Joker. That is. I don't know. I mean, I hear you, but you know, in the end, despite it was good, but I feel like I didn't need. I didn't need this story. Um, you know, it, it, for me, it didn't add or take away from my enjoyment of Injustice. So. Well, again, despite the fact that I did enjoy the series, I know I'm being hard on this book, and it's not like it was, I mean, it's $14 well spent, or whatever, $14 times 85% for you Comixology Unlimited people. (laughs) Um, So it was a good story. I enjoyed the read. I certainly, you know, it certainly had some oh shit shocking moments throughout the story. Um, But when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, so like, basically, they took out Joker. As soon as Joker actually showed up in person, they took him out. Like, it was nothing. Um, So yeah, you have uh, you have certainly come at the books this week uh, from from <laughs> a particular point of view. Yes. Um, so I'd like to ask one question that I think will will help clarify this for our listeners. What was the first book you read this week? Death Metal. Thank you. I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> Paul's opinion is compromised. He is an unreliable reviewer. Well, apparently. <laughs> well, because I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. A spoiler warning. I didn't like the Eternals number one ear, either. Fuck you. I love this. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Eternals was wonderful. Eternals was great. Really? Yeah. 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 Relaunch of the Eternals title. Um, yeah, I love Icarus. Uh, Sprite, yeah, I could take or leave Sprite. But then the reveal at the end, I was blown uh-huh. away. Yeah, it, this is a great book. I the number one, Kieran Gillen. I mean, love Kieran Gillen. Yep. Yeah, and you know, you know, he is going to to bring the stuff right. And there's going and the nice thing about Kieran Gillen because a lot of times when people have written the Eternals in the past, it's super serious, right? You know, yeah. it is very dry. Um, but when Kieran Gillen approaches it, he always brings this very wry sense of humor, and that is present here. And then you've got Assad Ribic. On, beautiful. On, the uh, art is beautiful. Gorgeous. I love Assad Ribic. Yeah. God, the artwork was amazing. And when he when they move into these different environments like Titanos, uh, the the worlds are just so fantastic and surreal. Um, I, I I don't want to spoil the ending. Um, I just oh, no. got to say, I, and this is what surprises me, Paul, is when I saw that last page, I'm like, well, Paul's going to love this book. I yeah. don't know, because like I got to that ending, I'm like, again? Um, it's how I felt about the ending. Now, that being said, you know, Eternals is an uphill battle for me. Eternals are, are those are characters that I just don't care about. So I always need convincing that I need to care. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't quite given that. And, and, you know, it's not like I disliked the book. It just, you know, for me, I was like, I started off from a standpoint of, I never feel like I can get into the Eternals, right? And they remind me a lot of, even though they're not, but just by nature of their outer space and volume of characters, they kind of remind me of Legion, of superheroes. 
in that there, you know, there's so many characters and, you know, so much to, to learn about them. Um, you know, I'm like, I always feel like lost from page one. And I kind of did in this as well. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I got to the end and I'm like, okay. I mean, it was, it, it was like, mm, I didn't dislike it, but it, it wasn't enough to like say, all right, I'm on board. Um, despite the fact that, you know, the, the last page features, um, you know, a, a a character big that reveal I, a big reveal mm-hmm. that i'm very you know fond of um yeah i just I, I, it didn't draw me in enough to continue with the series i tell uh, you one of the one of the things that really grabbed me and I, I don't know about you andrew was uh some of the character redesigns uh i've never been a big zurus fan uh just because I, I couldn't stand the way he was drawn but you know we only get to see zurus a little bit in this book yeah uh but he, he is he is drawn so uh, – there is such a moody quality around him, and mm-hmm. there, is, there is such a sense of confidence and power and, you know, uh, you know weight. I, I really dug the redesigns on these characters. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Saad Rivik art is, is – is character concepts are great and like uh-huh. when iron man shows up one point uh-huh. uh you know he looks looks fantastic uh the, the whole conversation between uh sprite and iron man and akaris just had me giggling uh-huh. uh like when he's like i'm not i'm not a collectible young lady <laughs> she's, <laughs> sprite's like oh she's just because you know sprite has been resurrected essentially and last time she saw humanity was when they were you know funny looking upright apes and so to her, she's just all all civilization technology is new. So I, I got a kick out of her experience. Well, and then the, uh, the 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 drawing, the the design of that deviant that they found uh-huh. in the sewers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I think I should I should offer is that you know Karen Gillan's sort of rebooting the Eternals in terms yeah. of their concept. And so, you know, we've seen many different iterations of the Eternals over the years. And, you know, the last time we saw them, which I I believe was the Neil Gaiman book, Mm -hmm. all the Eternals died. And what Kieran Gillen establishes is that they reboot you, right? You know, the system reboots you uh, and, you know, restores you back to your last successful reboot. And so Sprite, who emerged as the villain in the last story... Uh, they had to go way back <laughs> to find a, a, a good uh, a good a good save uh, to reboot Sprite from, which is why Sprite comes into the world and is like, wow, these guys talk now, <laughs> you know, in, in reference to humans. Uh, I, I really dug this book. I thought this 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 book was uh, a lot of fun. It's very promising in the, in the first issue. Um, I. I I, I love the time. I, I love that Iron Man shows up for just a couple of pages and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, kind of puts the Eternals into context. But there is some great big world shaping stuff happening here. I am on board for this book. I thought this book is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I like Karen Gill. I like Sad Rivik. The story was really, really good in this first issue. So I will definitely pick up issue two. And I think this issue just really helps cement our opinion that that you know paul's wrong that's right i like generation shattered i liked almost i i I, this book i I, you know i just i don't hear it maybe i'm in a bad mood because i'm like i "Eh." think you are paul (laughs) well paul let's see what you thought about iron man number five i liked it i didn't love it i didn't love it (laughs) once again paul's wrong 
Uh, I don't know. You know, for well, I mean, I guess I, I have a differing opinion than you guys. Um, so Iron Man number five, we all picked it up because uh, it features this Iron Man formed super team featuring Gargoyle, Scarlet Spider, Misty yeah. Knight, and Frogman. Um, yeah. I just want to say the I, I'm going to start it by saying the art by Kafu is beautiful stunning stunning Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I particularly love how much how tactile uh the armor feels mm-hmm. you yeah. know and, and you know the fact that that iron man is wearing a a throughout the since issue one he's worn the same suit of armor and it's just taken a beating yeah. and right? it's more classic style too which i exactly like. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I, I just, I love, I mean, people are commenting on it, you know, don't you need a change of clothes? I mean, it looks banged the hell up, and I enjoy that part of it. Uh, uh, you know, so I'm curious to hear why people didn't like it, because, you know, I, I understand that, you know, spoiler warning on, the reason we picked up the book seems like it's been taken off the table by the end of yes. this issue. Well, um, but at the same time, I, like, no, it's not. Well, that's <laughs> not the reason I picked up the book. Go ahead. The, the and you guys were talking about this last week, you know, Misty Knight, Scarlet Spider, Frogman, and Gargoyle. That's why I'm getting the book. And while I like all of those characters, that was not why I jumped back into Iron Man. I did not realize that this was a Korvac story. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember as a boy reading those original uh, Michael slash Korvac stories in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Volume One, and in the Avengers, and just loved the way that story unfolded and the way the story told and how all the Avengers die at the end of it. I remember reading that issue and this is back when you thought, you know, Oh my God, you know, this happened in comics. Oh shit. This is real. Right. You know, Thor's dead, (laughs) you know, I'm sorry. No, Don Blake lived Iron Man's dead. Uh, and Don Blake is, you know, trying to do, uh, you know, CPR, uh, but I, that that was one of those formative stories for me and the slow burn that Marvel Comics had uh, in that Korvac story. Because there was a Corvac, long period of time. The Korvac stories were all great because yeah. there were a couple of them and I, I loved all of them back then. Mm-hmm. But that original story, you never knew that Michael, which was the name he went by at the time, was Korvac. And it wasn't until you got deeper into the story that they revealed who this guy was. And so this cover, which is a gorgeous, I believe Alex Ross cover, isn't it? Uh, um, You know, that's got, you know, Korvac all God powered and whatnot with with Iron Man in his hand. This is the reason why I bought this book. And it was a bait and switch sort of situation (laughs) because we never get to see anything even kind of like that in this book. I was very disappointed by that. Yeah, and I think you and I, Aaron, both, we jumped off a while back, so... Yeah, Not issue only one getting... was the only, only one I got in this series. Yeah. Until so this, this wasn't buying issue five. This was buying the catching up. Yeah, but I, I got to say, and I, I feel like my uh, I, I, I feel like maybe I'm in the minority here, but I read issues two through five in one sitting. And I think this series is fantastic. I, so, uh, I really enjoy this take. Not I wish they called the series Iron Man and Hellcat, to be perfectly honest, because it's a great team book between the two of them. And I think I never would have thought that Patsy Walker and Tony Stark would have had so much chemistry, but they do. Yeah, Yeah, I I like I really like how they're writing Patsy in here. I knew I was going to hate the issue when I got to the page with the new team and started reading their descriptions of them. 
Because mm-hmm. like you get to the Scarlet Spider description and they describe him as uh, Spider-Man Xerox copy, occasional gigs, night shift security for Metropolitan Museum of Art. Well, I read the Scarlet Spider books. I read the crossover that they did, you know, the last big Spider-Man crossover that involved him. That's not where the character's at. And throughout the book, the portrayal of the character, that's not the current Scarlet Spider. You know, that's not how the character behaves now. So it's the infinite frontier, Wayne. This could be at any this could be any Scarlet Spider. <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, you don't see a whole lot of the Scarlet Spider on on page right. in, this, no. in this issue either. So, you know, I'd read the first three issues and, you know, Wayne and I back then had agreed the best part of the book was Patsy Walker. But I, I dropped yeah, off far. after the third issue. And uh, uh, then I saw, you know, Paul sends us this picture of this team, which I love Gargoyle, love Scarlet Spider, love Misty Knight. I was like, oh, I, I'm going to buy it. So I read four and five. First thing. Is it just me or does you feel like you missed something between between issues three and four? Because I feel sudden, like I missed something between each issue, to be perfectly honest. Because yeah. suddenly, you know, the uh, roadie's been captured by Korvac, and that just you know happens off screen in between issues. Uh-huh. So yeah, I, I, I see what you mean, but it definitely hit me more between three and four. Like I was like, what what has happened? Yeah, <laughs> that I've missed. I actually went to make sure I wasn't reading five instead of four. Yeah, I uh, did the same. I was like, whoa, 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 what happened here? <laughs> so I, yeah. I don't like these jumps where where you feel like you've missed an entire issue of, of story. Uh, it Issue five is not a bad issue. Uh, I was very, very disappointed in that one of the main reasons I picked it up was taken off off the board with very little interaction. Now, yep. maybe it's all a red herring. Maybe in issue six, we're going to find out that everything's fine but uh well, just based on issue five they're they're it's, they're it's bad it's very easy for them to fix that from a writing standpoint scarlet spider has spider sense yeah sure they could very very easily have all the characters be perfectly fine because you can't catch you know you cannot catch a spider-man of any spider-man off guard with a a trap like that Right, and they'll just say that you know the blast knocked out their comms, which is why they didn't respond to Iron Man after it happened. Um, that's my expectation of what they'll do. But then let's talk about the uh, what next last page, last page, where uh, di- <laughs> Tony's armor diagnoses him with a cervical C two fracture. Uh-huh. <laughs> now I'm sure that he's going to be up running around no problem. He's yeah, not even going to need the two. He's, no, he's not even going to need the two weeks that Hawkeye needs. He's just going to be up in 20 minutes and be doing fine. But uh, yeah, if you really had a C2 fracture, um, you're probably not going to be doing anything for a, a while. You're going to be laying in bed with a C collar on. You just uh, don't understand had, medical science. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. And he's right. had worse. He's uh, had way worse. He's but, fine. The issue, this issue's not bad, but I was very dis- I was expecting to see more out of those four characters or three characters really because I don't I don't care about Frogman. Uh, <laughs> that's Frogman's the reason I bought the book. <laughs> yeah. I, I like three out of the four characters. Frogman's the other one. I'm like, yeah. who is this Frogman? Has I'm he ever treat. done anything? Well, he, he's a, he's a busboy. That's right. He works so, for he works for Gargoyle. <laughs> So, you know, a lot of what we're seeing here in this book uh, with Hellcat is following up on uh, her relationship with Damien Hellstrom. Anybody read that book? Back in the 90s, uh, you know, when they were married out in San Francisco. So was 
is the incident, you know, the suicide, did that happen in a book or are we just hearing about that? I believe that did happen in a book. I, I don't remember if it happened on page or something they referenced, but it, I've heard about her suicide attempt in the past. This isn't the first time I've read about it. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to have to hunt that down. Yeah. I I, and, I, I mean, I, I hear you guys that, you know, didn't, didn't love it and didn't love the, the portrayal of the, the characters that inspired you to pick up the issue. Um, I jumped into this issue without context. I didn't actually get caught up. The last issue of Iron Man I read was issue two. So <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I know I'm not, I know I'm picking this up in the middle of the story, but I'm curious. And it made me want to pick up the rest of the story. So I, yeah. I you know, it, it, for me, it actually, the, yeah, the cover sucked. Um, I mean, it was what? beautiful. It was beautiful, but it was a bait and switch for what it, yeah. it sucked in context. Okay. All right, um, thank you. Yeah. Well, sorry. and I'll say, Paul, you you felt like you missed uh, big parts of the story, but uh, so did we. We read all the issues. Yeah, yes. apparently. So right. I enjoyed it. Um, I, 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 I and you know I just in, because comics are a visual medium. If you took all of the words off of the pages, I'd still love this book because that yeah, it's art a pretty is book. Just beautiful. It's pretty. Well, it, how cold is Tony Stark? You know, he's got Patsy Walker's having this this nervous breakdown. She's out in the rain, begging him not to leave her. And what does he do? He leaves her by herself in the middle of the rainy, uh, in the middle of the street in the rain. He's busy. Yep. He's a jerk. <laughs> he has a cervical <laughs> fracture. Well, I, oh, you're just say... going to pile on with everybody else, Andrew, and blame Tony Stark for all your problems. <laughs> I blame him for leaving Patsy Walker in the street. Yeah. Yeah, I will say a lot of her callbacks to the 90s stories and some of the other callbacks to 90s stories, this was definitely a 90s week for me. Between uh, some of the other books I'd read, and I read uh, the Vengeance book from a few weeks ago. I yeah. finally read that this week as well, and that was just pure 90s there too. So it was a nice nostalgic week for me in some of my reads. Yeah. Well, you know, the last book we're going to talk about in this exhaustive week of comics um, was Star Wars, The High Republic, which a, f a few of us actually picked up. Now, this is the start of the big new Star Wars publishing initiative that is set years before um, anything we've seen before, you know, not including the Old Republic, right? So this is somewhere between the Old Republic and what they're now calling The Fall of the Jedi, which is the prequel movies. Um, this is set in the timeline of the High Republic. So Yoda is is young, but but around ish, uh, yeah. young ish. But Yoda was a thousand years old when he died, or nine hundred years old, or something when he died. So somewhere between uh, Empire Strikes Back and nine hundred years before that, this is when this takes place. Um, you know, they they've established this new um, timeline in in Star Wars history that labels each each um, you know. I don't know, period of time, which I'm going to bitch about here in a second. Um, but the High Republic, uh, you know, is uh, they both, um, it's novels, children's books, middle grade novels, and comics, at least for now. And I guess if it does well, they'll, they'll do more. Um, so Charles Sewell actually has a book that got published this week as well, which is... I bought you know, it. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pick it up. I'm very interested in it because um, I love Charles Sewell. Um, you know, and that launched this week as well. But he is not involved in the comic. The comic's written by Kevin Scott with art by Ario and Indito. So before we get into the book, I have some words about this timeline. So the timeline okay. has the High Republic. That's now. Yeah. Or, the, the, you know, the, this book. Fall of the Jedi, which is Phantom Menace through Revenge of the Sith. I, I'm okay with that. 
Reign of the Empire, the bad is basically everything between Revenge of the Sith and um, the Age of Rebellion. You know, which is you know, Age of Rebellion is the original trilogy, Rebels and Rogue One. Then you have the New Republic, which is the establishment of the New Republic for the Mandalorian. Then you have the rise of the First Order, and that's where my problem is. Because technically, isn't it the fall of the First Order? It's both. <laughs> Maybe just call it Rise and Fall of the First Order. Because by the rise of, by the end of the Rise of Skywalker, there is no more First Order, supposedly. Right. Um, yeah, yeah so, the Rise of the First Order should be the time period between the Mandalorian time period and, <laughs> and the, the Rise uh, of Skywalker or whatever. Yeah. Actually, I would just call it, you know, Reign of the First Order or something. But the, I don't know. Like, I know that's, I know it's picky. But when you put a timeline like this, you want people to be picky because you're yeah. doing this shit for people like me. Um, <laughs> well, and I, I appreciated the presence of the timeline in the book, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that you you get a kind of a "you are here" yeah, right. <laughs> kind of thing. But what I found really amusing is that the High Republic is the period in which this story is being told, and the High Republic is almost off the top of the page in terms of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's not in scale. I, I, have, I don't think I have ever seen a timeline done vertically. Uh, yeah. Usually timelines are done, you know, left sure. to right. Um, they, need, so they need the space there. They did I mean, need the space. They need I the agree. space. I, they were yeah. working in the format, but it was just like, what a weird way to do a timeline. I want to complain about one more thing before we start into the content of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this series, this publishing initiative was announced several months ago and there there was a lot of uh of press around uh the images of the novels and the the, the comics etc and can i just say that i hate the trade dress for this book i do too i i i don't like the color pattern uh it looks very ya uh when you, oh. when you look at at the, at the colors yeah, and the, the way it's drawn it it looks like something I would I'd be buying from Scholastic Press, and yeah. I know there's a lot of money to be made there in the Scholastic Press, but boy, I hate the trade dress on this book. Yeah, I, well, uh, I think that's what they're going for, Aaron. I think they are I, going for the. No, I agree. I think that's exactly what they're going for. Uh, but yeah, I, the trade dress is just awful. Yeah, I did not. This is my least favorite book of uh, of the week. Uh, I I thought the art was too cartoony for me on most pages. Uh, I didn't really uh, get into the story, um, and I'm I'm just not interested at all in in the first issue. After reading the first issue of the High Republic, I I enjoyed this book a lot. Um, I I thought it was a fun read. I liked the uh, the introduction of this new. It seems that the we have a point of view character for this book mm-hmm. who is you know a padawan who's just been made a full jedi knight um i i dug this book a lot i did not really understand the last page um uh, i know that's the uh the the mystery but uh and i think it's got something to do with with uh the jedi's lost starfighter but uh you know other than that i mean i i enjoyed this book but you know i I want to. I'm going to make the argument because Paul, you didn't like this book either, did you? I thought it was okay. Um, yeah, I feel like this book reminded me of those, you know, Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic type books that I didn't really get into because um, they don't feel like Star Wars to me. You know, they, they they feel like some type of fantasy setting that just happens to have lightsabers, um, right. and so that's what this felt like to me. I, my my problem with this book was for me, it didn't establish. 
and it's it's a comic book and they want you to like oh what's happening here let me read the novel it didn't establish enough of what is for me this continuity um what the or, status quo what the status quo point. yeah at this point is it, it for me it just felt like a side story kind of thing but i'm sorry aaron you were gonna you had something you wanted to say well one thing i'll, I'll add and then i'll then i'll make the point i was gonna make is that you know you're right that this did not feel entirely star wars to me uh in terms of this book despite my my enjoyment of it i will tell you that there was a certain star trek discovery piece of this to me um hmm. and and, and I, I can't really lay my fingers on it, but it was certainly around uh, the Jedi trials that I was just like, there's something discovery about this, and I, I haven't got my finger on it yet. But that said, I'd like to point out that Paul disliked most everything he read this week. <laughs> um, and he his first book of the week was Death Metal Number 7. That mm-hmm. was the first book he read on New Comic Book Day. Put him in I a bad liked, mood. I liked most everything I read this week. And the first book I read was Generation Shattered. I think this, I think the first book you read, particularly on a, on a, on a week like this, where there is so much to read, really informs your perspective on the, on, on, on the sub, book subsequent to that. So, yeah. That's, you know, yeah, that's definitely probably, true. What's going on in your life? I mean, I honestly am surprised I didn't hate most of what I read this week. But I really enjoyed most of what I read. And a lot of them were things from the last few weeks that I was catching up on. It was, you know, what I, was the first book you read this week, Wayne? Uh, same as Aaron, actually. The Generation Shattered. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, my first book was Eternals, which I, I liked quite a bit. And I didn't love everything, but I liked yeah. most of the stuff I read this week. Yeah. So... So I, you know, just want to say, Paul, you need some sort of sherbet between the books. <laughs> Apparently, <Start with> something <laughs> bad. Yeah. You know, get yourself some sherbet. You know, clear your go palate. for a run. Go for yeah. a run. Well, I, you know, I, I, I should say I didn't dislike every book I read this week. In fact, uh, I liked most of them. I just felt like most of them were okay. Um, and in a book with such a large amount of things, uh, you know, I, there wasn't much that really excited me. But other than Generation Shattered, I love Generation Shattered. I really did. So next week, another big week in comic books, um, mostly because of DC Future State. We have a, a number of DC Future State books, including Dark Detective Number One, you know, which is the the status of Bruce Wayne during all this. Green Lantern Number One, focusing on John Stewart and the Green Lanterns. Justice League Number One, featuring the the new Justice League, such as Tim Fox. Um, Joe Mullen, Green Lantern, Yara Fleur, um, Wonder Woman, uh, Jonathan Kent, Superman. Um, I'm interested in that one. Uh, Kara Zor-El, Superwoman, comes out next week. I'm all over that one. Robin Eternal. Superman, Wonder Woman, um, which I guess is a Jonathan Kent, Yara Fleur team-up book. And Mm. Teen Titans. Now, the books next week are much more... There are no $8 books next week, um, but the Dark Detective, Green Lantern, and Justice League all have a $5.99 cover price um, because of the backup features. And finally, um, from Boom Studios, we have the latest issue of the series we've all been enjoying, Seven Secrets. Woohoo! Oh, love Seven Secrets. Yeah, got to get me some of them secrets. 
All right. Well, hey, <laughs> we want to know what you thought about this week's books. And uh, so please uh, give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable, ideology of badness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, guys. Well, let's see how uh, foolishly Paul spends his money next week. Let's all come back and see what the bill is. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. See ya. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.